Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen. The podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock. Sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. A very good Benjamin we're back Benjamin both of us are feeling fine and we have nothing to report about our health Benjamin <laughs> yeah sure look it we don't have time for any of that because this week we're going to be taking a look at the single greatest thing that DC have ever produced you uh, it, it verified verified Benjamin you have an amusing story for, for us about the internet Yes. Then we're going to take a very long and deep dive into the new Moon Knight trailer for reasons that we'll get into. Num, 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 num. And, Michael, should yes. listen. If yes. that wasn't enough and you didn't forget your conceit that you yeah, do again, on the show every week. Every again, week. We're going to do our second ever episode of Exhumed, the series where we take a look back at sci-fi movies that never seemed to make it or perhaps were sleeper cult classics in the wings. And this week we're going to be taking a look at Escape from New York, the John Carpenter classic from 1981. Benjamin, I have a, I have a big bone to pick with the, you claiming that Escape from New York never made it or didn't make a big cultural impact. But we'll do that later on. Because we have a podcast where you can take those kinds of bones to pick. A whole podcast about Benjamin. Before we get started, Benjamin. Yeah. Before we get started, you and I agreed that perhaps this week would be a good chance to ask some of our listeners to maybe go and visit a website run by a friend of ours. Sounds very suspicious, yes. It does, doesn't it, Benjamin? It's called Scientology.ie. No, it's not. Please don't. No, don't. <laughs> That's definitely gotten us flagged on uh, several platforms now. Don't we could yeah, lose don't. it. Don't go there. Benjamin, where I was saying you might like to go is you might like to visit heroesandvillains.ie, Ben. That is a new web shop with action figures and comic books and all of the likes that the people who listen to this podcast might enjoy. And yeah. it's run by a good friend of ours, Ben. And the reason we're giving a shout out is that we're... It's not sponsored, Ben. This isn't sponsored. We're not, not sponsored. It's not sponsored. We're not affiliated with heroesandvillains.ie in any way. We've never been successful. Never been successful enough to be sponsored. But the reason that we're pointing it out, Ben, is that we're on the bloody hero worship page, which which the owners of the heroesandvillains.ie website are trying to set up as a little Irish blog, vlog, podcast, website, community, a kind of one-stop shop from where you might like to find your, your nerd-related media. Yeah, and we're very happy to be a part of it, Michael. And we're very happy to get to get their bloody up on there. So if you if you'd like to have a look at that, it's heroesandvillains.ie. Give them a look and tell them we sent you. Yeah, do. Benjamin. Sure listen. Sure look, sure yeah. listen. That's what this is called. Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Sure look. Who would have thunk, Ben, that a thing that we almost forgot about, the T V series Peacemaker, would yes. end up being DC's the DCEU, Ben, if such a thing exists, but the DCEU's highest rated product ever. This is official, Michael. Go on. It's verified. Everybody says it. It is their officially highest rated, critically acclaimed thing. It's beaten Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was the last thing that made it in there where people were like, oh, maybe it's it's not so bad. Maybe it's not yes. so bad. That was the last but- thing where people said, yes, this is unanimously quite good. Yeah, and now people are just like, oh, this is better. This yeah. is much better. John Cena is much better than Gal Gadot. <laughs> he wasn't in that imagined cover, for one thing, so that's a big <laughs> point in his favour. Benjamin, yeah. imagine that this is the best thing that DC have ever produced, according to critics. And then, you know what? It probably is. 
It is. There's no. I I have seen the first two episodes now, Michael, and I can comfortably say that it is the most enjoyable DC property that I've watched in a very long time outside of the 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton, which I think is just purely nostalgia at this point. In my it brain. might be nostalgia, Ben, because we watched it recently for this podcast, and although it's quite good, it's not. It's not amazing. The it's not what we Batman. thought. No. It's not what we thought. Benjamin. Yes. I have been watching every episode of it. And you know, I'm a diehard Marvel fanboy, Ben. You are, Michael. And this is better than any TV program that Marvel have ever put out. Such praise, Michael. Benjamin, this is better than Hawkeye. It's better than Cloak and Dagger. It's better than The Runaways. It's true. It's better than Iron Fist Season 2. There's no lie. There's no, I'm not telling a single lie here, Benjamin. It's better than Luke Cage. It's better than The Defenders. It's better than Iron Fist Season 1. Anything is better than Iron Fist Season 1. <laughs> Iron Fist Season 2, for example. But just <laughs> Benjamin, it's yeah. bloody great. It is, um, it is the best, I think it is the best superhero TV series that's been on superhero TV. I think that's true. I don't think there's... You're not wrong, Michael, is basically what I'm going to say here. The critics aren't wrong. You're not wrong. Critical mm. you is not wrong. Right. It, it's all in line, Michael. It's such an enjoyable show. And John Cena carries that show, Michael. Benjamin, <laughs> on, he's doing a spectacular job. On his big, broad shoulders. He's just like, I got it, guys. I, I have got, got it. it. I'm going to do swearing. I'm going to do sexing. Ben, did you see John Cena doing a sex? Oh my god, Michael, where he screams freedom upon climax. Benjamin, I thought John Cena doing his sex with a woman was something I'd never see. Now, not because only I can't see him. Yeah. I just thought that WWE wouldn't allow that sort of thing. No, apparently. Apparently it's just fine if it's on HBO Max. <laughs> if it's on HBO Max, you can have nudie wrestlers, you can have calling Batman a pussy, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, he just full on went for it. Michael, I tell you what, we see a lot of superhero physiques on that show. Mm. Uh, on in, in the superhero world, Michael, we see a lot of superhero physiques. But fucking hell. That man is just a slab of carved muscle, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably steroids, Ben. It's, I have no doubt that it is, Michael, but it's no less impressive. Did you see him it's flinging that woman around and being flung around in his tidy whities Jesus. Tidy whities One of the big advantages of having John Cena, obviously, is he's, he's been fake fighting his entire life. For decades. Decades of fake fighting, so there's no awkward cutaways to let a, a stuntman take a punch. What, what's that? You need to flip him onto the ground and have him go, oh, or throw him through a wall? Grand. John Cena can do that. John, do you want us to put some mats down? Oh, no. I'm doing this for America. I'm doing this he, for America. And then he just jumps through a table and they say, John Cena, that wasn't the stunt table. And he says, I don't care. For America. Be, <laughs> for America. And then the eagle gives a little call. Eagly is a joy. Eagly is a joy, Ben. John Economist is a joy. The the everyone's a joy, Ben. Harcourt's a joy. Harcourt's a, a joy. Adab- Adabaye, I'm gonna get that wrong. Adaboy, yeah. Uh, Judo Master is incredible, Ben. <laughs> it's, uh, Vigilante might be one of the best characters ever introduced in a miniseries. He's it quite is- possible. I, I enjoy the complete piss take he is of Deadpool. He's very close to Deadpool, all right. But I, Ben, you haven't seen episode four yet. But episode four okay. is an absolute highlight of an episode for Vigilante. Well, do you want to um, do you want to give it a little whirl there? Do you well, do Benjamin, a review. He decides to get to get himself taken into prison. Oh, in an effort to take out um, Peacemaker's racist father. Oh, and he has an incredible series of scenes of starting fights with neo Nazis, 
absolutely kicking the shit out of them and then the repercussions of that and it's incredible it's, it's an incredible episode's worth of work oh that'd be good wouldn't it and Benjamin as we know you are all for kicking neo-nazis in the head I am actually I, I thought that was going to go somewhere else um, no, no. But that's that's fun. That's a that's an actual accurate representation of my character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that has ever stopped you for back, held you back from kicking neo Nazis in the head is physical weakness. Yes, a complete lack of physical capability in any <laughs> form. Michael. That's, that's, that's really what holds me back. Idealistically, yeah, yeah. I'm right there, right there, kicking any <laughs> right sort of neo Nazi right in the head. I tell yeah. you what, Ben. It's oh, it's just sublimely good. This show. I'm looking forward to it every week. <laughs> Do you know what I didn't expect, Michael? And was the highlight one of the highlights of episode one? The opening credits. They're the opening just credits, so Benjamin. Weird. Like, didn't I tell you, Ben? They're you so should have James expected. Gunn. They're you should so have expected James it. Gunn. Benjamin, this is this is what years and years and years ago when they told us Daredevil was coming out on 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 Netflix. Not to say Daredevil wasn't a good show because it was a very very good show, but it was a very good TV show, which was. Barely anything to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the time. Yeah. But this is how all TV spin-offs of movies should be made. It's so in continuity, Michael. Oh, it's, it's so in line with the movie that it came from. Because it's from the same writer and director, Ben. Yeah, and but right down to the characters, Michael, and the writing. and uh, Everything, Ben. They've had... What they've had is they had a writer who fell in love with a character... And said, I'm going to write and direct a TV series about this guy. It, it, it's not a spin-off in the sense of they're looking at it going, what characters can we spin off from this? Yeah. It's James Gunn has made the decision and gone, I want to do this and here's what it is. And just through the serendipity and some people in DC finally making some right decisions. Yeah. It, it, it is there and it is my favorite thing so far this year. Whoever greenlit that or whoever was back in that should be promoted immediately to head of DC visual. DC chief executive (laughs) in charge of figuring it out. Benjamin. (laughs) And it is such a different palette to the Marvel stuff, which is great. Because one of... Go on. No, no, no. I was just going to say it is chalk and cheese. I think what holds the Marvel show back quite often is the fact that it, it is still trying to aim itself at kids. A mm. lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? It wants to, it's it's aiming for family fun. Whereas Peacemaker is just like, No, I'm probably going to fuck a strange eighties style woman in the bathroom. Yeah. On camera, if you don't yeah. mind. In the nude. In it's the nude. Be, there's nudies in it and everything about it. I was very surprised. I had to cover my eyes. I went, Oh my god, there's nudies. Some of the language out of Peacemaker's father, Michael, would make your skin crawl. Just oh, my God, out. Ben. Oh. oh, my God. And he just says it right oh. out flat out on television. Yeah, he's just not a bother to him. He he's such a despicable character. It's he's the so worst. well done. He's the worst man, Ben. He's the worst man. He's one of the worst men who's ever been on television. Oh, it's, it's very enjoyable. Um, not him being the worst man. It's just the show in general, Michael, is just very good. Well, I, I expect some comeuppances on his way, Ben, so... Hopefully that will uh, give us a bit of catharsis, as you like to say. Big old fingers crossed, Michael, eh? Big old fingers. That's what we call you. Big old fingers, Colopy. Big old (laughs) fingers. What is this NFT story you want to tell us about? Oh, Michael, Michael, wait and I tell you what happened uh, this bloody week in the NFT scene, right? Benjamin, we call you, using the same nomenclature, we call you BOF. We call you BOF. BOF, yeah. So BOF here reporting live from the NFT scene, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Are there any bros there with you? Uh, I have a few bros in the background. They're going to talk later. NFT Um, bros, great. 
we're going to have a few NFT beers mm. um, in our NFT frat house. Yeah, um, yeah. They got and then GME we'll, stock bin. Yeah, we'll probably go ape, Michael. You know, very good uh, to the moon, as the lads would as, say, as they say. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Michael, ben, uh, yes. we're not really doing a satire or a parody here. We're just saying words no. we've heard. <laughs> We're just mimicking words for it. Like it's parrots in some kind of rainforest, Michael. Very weak comedy. Very weak comedy. But it doesn't stop them putting it on, you know, BBC Three or Channel Four. So it's fine. Mm, very um, good. We could be on a panel show, Michael, if we wanted to be. Oh, could we? Could we be on Mock the Week? Uh, yeah, and we'd probably be just as funny. Uh, oh, very but good. anyway, that's a that's a weird moment to take out my ire uh, for Mock the Week. But anyway, <laughs> here we are, Michael. Yes. You and I earlier last, oh no, late last year, went to see a film called Dune. Dune. Yeah, Dune it's called, but go on. Dune. Dune, yeah. Yeah, Dune. Dune. So we went to see Dune. The film Dune. And that's based on a book by Frank Herbert. I've heard of him. Yeah. And Michael, that's not the first time they've tried to make that into a movie. They've made it into a movie several times. Yeah, several times. They tried one with bloody uh, David Lynch. Yes. And Michael, they tried one with Jodorowsky. Yes, I remember Noted comic book penman, hmm. Jodorowsky. Now, what is interesting, Michael, is that there is an entire concept book in existence that looks at Jodorowsky's entire thought process behind what he wanted to do with the Dune uh, universe. Yeah, it just has lots of pictures of Salvador Dali as the emperor. Yeah, pretty much a lot of that. Costume designs, exactly what you'd be thinking of when you're doing that kind of thing. Now, Michael, mm. that was that was basically put together as kind of a film Bible um, or a show Bible. And when we have those in media, Michael, mm. you know, if you're in the biz... If we're in the biz like us, yeah. Uh, your show Bible or your film Bible is the kind of aesthetic true line. It's the, the golden rules to refer back to. When in doubt... Look at the show Bible. Look at the Bible. What's going on? Is this going to fly? Can you just introduce all of a sudden? Can you introduce sexy mutants? And it's like, no. It says here on page seven, no sexy mutants, Ben. None. None. We're not allowed to put them on the podcast, Michael. You've been very clear. Yes. The Shomra Bjog show Bible leaves no room for error. No No room room for for sexy mutants. (laughs) So anyway, Michael, uh, one of these copies, there are only nine left in existence, apparently. Yes. Um, one of these copies came up for auction, Michael, online. In Sotheby's. In Sotheby's. I don't know if it was Sotheby's. I can't remember the exact one I have it here. Hang on, let me check. It doesn't you. matter, Ben. I was just saying an auction place I knew. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Michael, it was an online auction. Covet. Yes. Okay. So you I've heard of it. It's online. over now, though, Ben. It's over. It, it's, uh, COVID's over now. As of 6 a.m. yesterday morning, ladies and gentlemen, we're all good. Yeah. We're all good. Anyway, what happened was, Michael, uh, one of these show Bibles went up, um, and... Out of nowhere, Michael. Yes. After everybody's been bidding backwards and forwards, comes a 2.6 million bid uh, from a group known as Spice DAO, D-A-O, Decentralized Anonymous Organization. So Spice obviously being the name of the major export of Arrakis. The Spice must flow. Okay. So this is an NFT group or conglomerate that work together, and they they win this auction, right? Now, Michael, what happens next is a num, 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 num. It's a delicious bit of irony, is it? Because I'm not sure what an NFT is, Michael. It's a non-fungible token, then. It's a non-fungible token, Michael. But the more you dig, the less certain it is how it works or what it is. And what happens next, Michael, is just a beautiful moment. So after winning the auction and getting the thing... The yeah. uh, Spice Dow Twitter account published their intentions with the new property. Go on. So, number one, make the book public to the extent permitted by law. Oh, Produce very good. 
an original animated limited series inspired by the book and sell it to a streaming service. Oh, very good. support derivative products from the community. Oh. Now, Spice. that, Michael, seems like a lot of license. Hmm. Okay. Until Twitter went, what do you mean support derivative products? Yes. And they said, ah, well, we have the intellectual property to Dune now. To which Twitter went, no... No, you don't. <laughs> I don't know if that's how IP works. <laughs> no, you don't. You have bought Alexander Jodorowsky's Dune concept book for the movie that never happened. To which Benjamin, the, the did spy- they think they bought Dune? <laughs> they thought they bought Dune. <laughs> they thought they bought Dune, Ben. <laughs> they thought they bought Dune, Michael. For two they and a half million. They bought the IP. <laughs> that's bonkers. That's bu- and they were so proud they had a bunch of tweets being like yes we did it June for the people and the internet had to be like ah lads lads you just bought a book oh, oh. Michael did you say that this tickled me during the week did you know Benjamin that I actually own the Marvel Universe yeah yes there it is there in your hands Michael I've got it I've got it it's mine I bought it so anyone who wants to make a Marvel property just send me a quick email and I'll allow it Ah, Michael, what madness. Imagine, imagine thinking that, ah, I just couldn't believe it. So there was a clear misunderstanding of intellectual property there, Michael, but it made my day to read this article because I was just like, what? Very good. What? Very, very good. Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of misunderstandings of uh, intellectual property, what do you think of those cheeky boys over at Marvel and Disney Plus who have made a television series out of the first two episodes of our podcast. Yes, the completely original two episodes of our podcast. Um, yeah, Michael, look, I am, as you know, I'm in the middle of a court case with uh, Disney, and yep. uh, I can't actually talk about it, Michael. All right, well, um, that's going to make for very little content on this week's podcast, then. No, Michael, look, Marvel stole our idea. They stole our show. Um, they stole our Oscar Isaac. We had him in the tiny room. Um he got hired. out, Ben. He's very sneaky. He's very sneaky. Um, and look, he's out there now. Look at you holding a Moon Knight. I've got um, a little Moon Knight action figure, Ben, because we're talking about Moon Knight. Ben, talk- yeah. many, many moons ago, <laughs> <laughs> many moons ago, me and Big Old Fingers himself, Colopy over there, <laughs> we got together and we decided that what we would do is to exercise a demon that was in my head. Yes. We, we would prepare a little fan... It was somewhere, Ben, between a pitch and a script. Yeah, we, we did have... It was quite long. <laughs> we quite had lofty long. dreams, Michael, of... Our first ever podcast took about three and a half hours. Three and a half over hours. Over two ben. episodes. Yes. Uh, of describing what we thought an ideal Marvel Cinematic Universe night, moon, night show would look like, Benjamin. And now it's happening for real. Yeah, we were very bold, Michael. We, we had a lot of lofty dreams. <laughs> lofty, lofty dreams. Benjamin and Benjamin, I tell you what. As with everything in big Hollywood, trying to keep us down, trying to keep us, our plucky independent podcast down, they released the trailer on Monday, long after we had recorded our episode last week. So we're very late to this party here, but I think we would be doing it an injustice, Ben, not to take a slightly more in-depth look at this trailer than usual. Because it's our idea. Because, Because of our history, Ben, with the character Moon Knight, and really this podcast exists around the idea of a Moon Knight TV show. Yeah, because it's our idea. Right, let's let let's do it, Ben. Let's take a look at the podcast. Benjamin, the elephant in the room. Go on. 
Oh, I've lost my contact lens. Oh, I've, I've lost my contact lens. Oh, I've lost my contact lenses. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, I can't oh. tell the difference between waking and dreaming. Oh, it's all very confusing in my head, Governor. Oh, my. Oh, jeepers. It's very difficult being British. Right, we've we've had enough of that now. Um, look, <laughs> Oscar Isaac's accent is a bit odd, isn't it? Fucking inexcusable. <laughs> Absolutely inexcusable, Ben. To quote our friend Nine Wassies, Ben, he has learned English. He's learned the English accent from the Mary Poppins school of acting. Yeah, from the Dick Van Dyke stereotype. <laughs> it's it's dreadful. It's, it's barely in it, but it's very distracting. It's very, it does It does take your eye off the prize a bit. Now, Michael, you made a very good observation. You said he's not happy with it himself because there's a reaction trailer of himself and Ethan Hawke giving it a, a once-over. There is, Ben. There's a reaction trailer which was released from official sources with the two leads reacting to their own trailer a couple of hours later. And you can visibly watch Oscar Isaac cringe. Jason Isaac. No, Jason Isaac. Oscar Isaac, you're, you're on the Oscar mind. Isaac. You can visibly see him cringe. When he hears his British accent in the trailer. Yeah, and then he time. says, Can I have some more, governor? So he knows. He knows it's ridiculous. The, and the yet saving, we're doing nothing about it. The saving grace for it, Ben, might be if it's recognised as ridiculous. But yeah, maybe maybe he's been misplaced or put in the wrong setting and other characters make fun of him for it or something. I, I, I'm not sure. Because... The the character of what's his name? Stephen. Yes. Sorry, not Stephen. 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 The character of Stephen. Oh Stephen. Oh you my name's Stephen. Oh my museum friend Stephen. Oh you're such a timid oh, creature, Stephen. I've lost in my the museum. Con- I've lost my contact lens. It's all your nightmares, Stephen. <laughs> the character of Stephen, Ben. Yeah. He he is Mark Spector, Ben. He's one of his multiple personalities. Yeah, because he has DID. Now, Ben, am I making a big stretch here and excusing the inexcusable by saying maybe this character has an accent that an American man with mental health issues might think a Londoner would sound like? I think that's... I, I think if you wanted to excuse his performance or if you wanted to maybe give it a little bit of breathing room so that we don't jump down the gullet of one Oscar Isaac who a traditionally Michael is a very good actor yes but good actors don't always have the time the research the training the coaching to do proper accents now what I would say to that Michael is if you were inclined to work for the largest multimedia corporation on the planet mm. Disney I've uh, heard of them. I'm sure they would get it if it was central to the plot they would get mm. you coaching that's the weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. But, Benjamin, don't forget, Disney did also produce Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. Many years ago, Michael. But is that what Disney think English people sound like? Probably. Maybe Oscar Isaac went in and he was like, all right, Governor, man, it's Stephen. I'll work in this fucking museum, mate. Oh, and I've someone lost my in Disney. fucking contacts. Are you <laughs> having a laugh? I've lost my fucking contact, you silly bint. <laughs> and m- maybe... Someone in Disney went, oh, that's not how they sound in London. They sound like this. <laughs> you sound like Taika Waititi on something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can be mocked, Ben, for doing a poor version of that <laughs> accent. Anyway, I think your theory holds water. I think his disassociative identity disorder um, is probably, he's probably perceiving 
um, that to be an English accent based on movies he watched as a kid, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it would be a good way of justifying it. Even post facto, they could just go in and put in one scene Quickly of that. Quickly put in a line of dialogue. Quickly, and yeah. Uh, What's wrong and with I that think guy's accent? Yeah, I think that's probably fine. Um, other than that, Mike, we've got some interesting stuff going on. Yeah, tell us. Um, so, uh, it looks to be action-packed, Michael. Go on. Lots of bloody explosions and Egyptian stuff. Some real spooky stuff. There's oh. a bloody, uh, there's a bloody conchu, uh, bird boy heading for the elevator, and then it's a little old lady, Benjamin. Yeah, I tell you who's certainly not rolling in their grave. Go on. One because they're not dead, and two because they're probably very happy, not upset. That helps. Yeah. Is one Declan Shalvey? Oh, lads. Oh, he's delighted, isn't he? He must be delighted with himself. Benjamin, I wonder, is he getting any money for those conchu designs? We need is to get he... Declan Shalvey on this bloody show. Get him on the show, Ben, and ask him. Is he getting the... Is is he going to be like... Is it going to be like Hawkeye, where Matt Fraction got all of the credit and David Aya got completely ignored? Or is there going to be a thanks to Declan Shalvey for doing these designs in it? I, I don't know. I Probably not. I mean, if that's Marvel's track record, you know, if we're ignoring the the great deal of visual foundation that's been put in by these artists and not giving them credit, I don't see why Declan Shalvey would be exempt ask from him, being ben. overlooked. I must. Yeah, I must get in touch. Ask um, him, ben. And ask. I say that as if I'm his pal. Um, yeah, I must get in touch with Deco. And get in touch with Deco, Ben, <laughs> and ask him, what is the crack? Because, uh, Benjamin, there's a very, very brief scene, but it's a fantastic scene where we see... Um, an avatar of Conchu, or Conchu himself, Ben, or the delusions of a deranged mind. Or the delusions of a deranged mind, Michael. And he's very much the cool-looking Conchu in Egyptian garb with a bird skull head. Yeah, he's real cool. And it's 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 dead cool-looking, Ben. We get some glimpses as well, Michael, of the space werewolves. Remember the space werewolves? No. Oh, the space werewolves were great, Michael. Do you remember them from the original comic? He goes into like space in an Egypt in space and it's there's werewolves there and he has to fight the werewolves. Oh, it's in the thing, Michael. He's standing over the, the unconscious body or the possibly dead body of a werewolf yeah. at one point. We just see the snout sitting up off the ground. It's kind of like a... It's an Anubis reference, Michael. They're, oh, they're, they're like, going to be Anubises, are they? They're going to yeah. be Anubis guards. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Look, uh, it's got it's got mummy vibes, Michael. There's definitely mummy stuff going on, Ben. It's got good old-fashioned vigilante vibes as well. Well, um, that's the weird thing about Moon Knight, isn't it? Are yeah. you going to lean into Egyptian weirdness or are you going to lean into grim and gritty? Because when we did it, Ben, when we tried our little uh, our t- our eight-episode series, we yeah. tried to strike a balance between the kind of three main things about the character. Desensitive... I- dis- DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. Dissociative Identity Disorder. It's very hard to say if you're hammered. Egyptian stuff. Yeah. And street level crime stuff. It's very hard to do. (laughs) There's three things. There's three Three very distinct things. And are they going to do it? That's the real excitement of this for me. What way are they going to do it? Well, he is definitely split between two locations because at one point he wakes up in an apartment in New York and he doesn't have have his place uh, accent anymore. Oh, why am I in New York? It's oh, blo- I'm only I'm oh. only used to old York, Governor. Blooming Nora! Oh, I've done it again. I've only <laughs> gone asleep and found myself in the new continent. Oh, oh, the new world is full of frightening and imaginary things. Okay, this is awful. If people have tuned out uh, so far, they've probably made the right decision. If you stuck around with us, why? Let us know in a couple yeah, yeah. of different places, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and if you did stop listening to this. What's your excuse for giving Moon Knight a chance? 
Yeah, what's going on there? What's going anyway, on there? That's not fair. Michael, it's not without its bloody detraction as usual. The internet can let nothing lie. Now, now the internet can bloody suck a lemon as far as I'm concerned. Do you know what I want to know, Michael? What do you want to know? How you can make any assumption about a character's backstory based on a trailer with a couple of different clips interspersed with no certain true line to the thing and it's all very confusing. But Michael... Benjamin, Benjamin, have yeah. you dug up some sort of controversy from the yeah, scummy depths of the internet? Yeah, what have controversy you. have you... D- is it something to do with women, Ben, race, religion or politics? Religion. Oh, it's religion. Yeah. Okay, so, go on. Michael, in the comic books... Yes. Mark Spector's father is a rabbi. Okay. He has Jewish heritage. Okay. Now, not often is his Jewish heritage used. No. We ditched it in our thing, Ben, if you remember. <laughs> yeah, so we probably and would we, have been. <laughs> well, we went for an Egyptian. Yeah. Our thinking was, if we're going to have a, a character based around Egypt, let's let him have Egyptian heritage. And it may as well be Rami Malek. Um, <laughs> also quite good at acting. Also quite good at acting. Probably might be able to. Oh, no, actually, he was terrible in Queen. Might not be able to do a British accent. We don't know. Oh, hello, oh. it's me. It's me, it's me Freddie Mercury. Stop, stop it. Stop. I want to do Live Aid. Anyway, um, the Jewish community or the Jewish comic book fan community, such as they are, have been very vocal about their want to see his Jewish heritage included. Oh, very good. Okay. And the argument they are making is, well, you wouldn't take Catholicism out of Daredevil and it became a central conceit in Daredevil. The argument I would make, Michael, is that Catholicism has always been central to the Daredevil storylines. There's quite a bit of Catholic guilt in his character Mm. and it's frequently used. Not often mentioned that Mark Spector's dad is a rabbi. No, no, very, very, not a big deal. Not a big deal. But it it struck me as very unusual that they were giving out because I was like, it's a trailer, lads. There might be lots of mentions of his father being a rabbi in the actual show. We don't know. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. Or not. not. Or maybe not, Michael. Who has the time? Maybe not. Maybe we won't find out anything about his family until season two. Oh, yeah. Uh, Come here to me. What do you think of bloody Ethan Hawke? First of all, I didn't realise it was Ethan Hawke. It's bloody Ethan Hawke. I know. I was looking at it going, who is that? Is that Ralph Fiennes? (laughs) He has a touch of the Ralph Fiennes about him. He does. It's Ethan Hawke playing the actor Ethan Hawke. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. He's playing a very interesting character according to IMDb. Who's he playing? He's playing a, a relatively minor villain of Moon Knights from the comics who was a, a science doctor. Yeah. Who, who did some sort of science doctor medicine. And everyone was like, how did you do this medicine so good? And he was like, oh, I'm the best at doing science doctor medicine. And everyone was like, are you sure you are not a Nazi who did experiments on humans in concentration camps? And he's like, that's a very specific question to ask me. And I'm like, well, are you? You're Schweinhund. Yeah, uh, no, I am actually. I am a Nazi scientist. Sorry. And that's, that's, yeah, sorry, you got me. I was, I am actually a Nazi. And I tell you what, I got all of this science medicine by doing experiments on on concentration camp victims. And then that's why Mark Spector gives him a big punch in the head. Yeah, it's not great. Um, (laughs) So I don't think... Are they going to go with that? He's definitely playing Arthur Harrow. Yeah. Who is the character you're describing. So he is definitely playing Arthur Harrow. Or he's listed as playing Arthur Harrow. That won't happen. Mm. It looks to me, Michael, like we have a little bit of the David Tennant's Purple Mans. He's definitely some sort of cult leader. Yes, he's definitely some kind of cult leader or guru. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would imagine he could be another emissary of an Egyptian god, maybe. 
Oh, a different one, maybe. Yes, Bast. perhaps not the. Uh, yes, perhaps not the fist of Conchu, but mm. rather the pinky toe of Bast or something like that. Mm. Yes, yeah. the coccyx of Anubis. Yes, the coccyx of Anubis. Yeah. Uh, yes, the posterior of Hoth. Yes, or yeah. something like that. The appendix of Osiris. Yes, something along those lines. The anus of Horus. You know, the you know <laughs> whatever you've got going on. You know. He's one of those, Michael. Ah, very good. Uh, but anyway. The, the willy of that man whose head is a crocodile. Oh, no, that's thought we've already done him. We've done him, sorry. Oh, sorry. damn it. Yeah. We'll get there. Thoth's testicles, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Anyway, Michael, it looks like he's going to play around with our hero's head. Give him a little, give him a little, oh, are you going to be good? Are you going to be bad? Are you yeah. going to give into the chaos, pal? Mm? Yeah. Are you are you crazy or are you Moon Knight? What's going on? Yeah, what is going on? We What's don't know. Benjamin. Yeah. I have high hopes. The accent is stunningly hard to get over. I, but... You know, go on. Do you know what I have an issue with? Go on. The costume. I like the costume. I thought the costume looked like a Power Rangers extra. There is a little touch of that, all right, for sure. Yeah. I think when, when we were talking about this five years ago, Ben, we thought... Um, go down the Daredevil costume path yeah. and have it be a homemade thing that he makes because he's yeah. mad. Yeah. Um, and then, but don't forget, one of, the, one of the other interesting things about Moon Knight is his variety of costumes. He's got a lot. He's got a kind of a plain white spandexy kind of number, like a Batman-y type of thing. He does. And then he's got a more kind of modern tactical job. He does. And then he's got his famous suit where he's Mr. Knight. Yes, Mr. Knight in the nice L suit. So we might see multiple versions and multiple costumes. Benjamin, I, I really am fond. I'm really fond of that podcast we did two years ago. The audio is almost unlistenable. Two years ago, five years ago. It's almost it's unlistenable. It's been a long time, Michael. It's unlistenable by modern standards. But there were a lot of good concepts we, we we didn't really have there that we stole from Declan Shelby and Warren Ellis and other Moon Knight writers. And adapted I thought, perfectly. I thought we adapted it quite nicely into a very coherent package. Um, but it, it makes me very excited to see this and see how much of what we came up with is going to be in this and how much of it is going to be completely different to expectations. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're living in kind of the golden age, Michael. We've been there since the early days of trying to figure out how you'd put obscure heroes on the screen. Like, that was one of the ones we were like, that'll, that'll never happen. They'll never put yeah. Moon Knight on the screen. Never put, and, now, and now, Michael, the, like She-Hulk, Moon Knight. There's <laughs> only obscure ones left. Peacemaker is the yeah. best TV show at the moment. <laughs> Well, Never even heard of him, Ben. Brave new world, Michael. Brave, Brave new, new world. world. Oh, what a time to be alive, eh? Yeah, speaking of, though, Ben. Go on. Speaking of mummies from the past. Okay. Speaking of, Ben, the video game Exhumed. Yes. Which features mummies from the past. Ben, you know, I'm trying to give you a segue to take and Oh, sorry, Michael. You're trying to introduce our bloody brilliant section, Exhumed, where we take a look at the movies of yesteryear that maybe didn't make it or probably should have, or our sleeper cult classics, Michael. And you have a bone to pick with me. I do have a bone to pick to you, Ben, because yeah, you on. have picked for this week's episode of Exhumed. You uh, picked it. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Well, then maybe I have a bone to pick with myself because maybe I've misunderstood the conceit of this because I think that John Carpenter's 1981 hit escape from new york is okay we're going to exhume it in the sense it's 40 years old yes 41 this year so it's bloody ancient ben by anyone's standards yes but it has i feel this has had a lasting impact on popular culture yes it has and a lasting legacy yes 
But one of the most interesting things about it, Ben, and we'll get down to this as we get into the next 25 minutes of talking about this movie, is it is it has had it has had a big impact and a big legacy. And I think a lot of its impact and legacy and popularity and, you know, the traces that has left in popular culture far outstrip how good a film it is. Um, that's possibly true. I um I think this has been incredibly influential, Michael. I watched it for the first time for this very podcast. I've never seen it before. Very good. Um, uh, bloody hell, Michael. It was very different to what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, Go on. I thought I was getting Kevin Costner's Waterworld with Kurt Russell in a sewer system. Okay. No, that's I don't not know. what it is at all. I don't know. It's not what it is at all. I was very wrong. But I thought I was getting post-apocalypse in New York. Well, you are. Ar- arguably. Arguably, yeah. yes. I think of it more as a pre-apocalypse, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, so I, I was completely taken aback at this. I didn't realize it was John Carpenter, which is much to my own chagrin, Michael. Um, well, he's quite famous. Yeah, he's very famous, Michael, but it's not the type of movie that I would have thought him famous for. It's exactly the type of movie he's famous for. Yeah, I know, but I've only Kurt Russell that. is in it. Kurt Russell is in it. Kurt Russell is a very interesting choice, and we'll get to that in a minute too, Michael. But um, I, I realized watching it, like movies like The Purge wouldn't exist without this. No, God, no, Benjamin. No. God, there'd be no, no The Purge. There'd be no The Purge. Basically, any sort of this is the this is the template. This is the prototype from any sort of urban hellscape mo- movie. Yeah, basically, very, very formative. Very formative. Now, there are other other urban hellscape movies from the same period, but some of them were set in more of a real-world type place. Like The Warriors, Ben, is very much set in a in an urban hellscape, but a, a much more realistic one. Yeah, this is, this is very much a, a scary vision of what the future could be, Michael. The very deep and terrifying future of 1997. Yeah, so that's the thing that interested me most, Michael, because it says in 1888... The crime over, yeah. uh, sorry, in 1988, crime overtakes America. <laughs> yes. Just, the crime surge is 400%, Michael. Dun, mm. dun, dun. And uh, that's how they came up with the Manhattan Super Prison. Yes. Benjamin, there's a bit of historical context for this because it was written around the time of Watergate. Oh, yeah, the out scandal. The out scandal when American, the American people, I think, basically for the first time, started to learn that maybe their government didn't always have their best interests at heart. Oh, maybe they are a shower of twats. Maybe oh, they no. are the baddies. <laughs> maybe our gang are the baddies. I yeah. think they started to think maybe about that for the first time. And, Benjamin, it was in the kind of middle of New York City's decline into an urban hellscape. Yeah, New York City was no longer a very safe place, Michael. It it was... It, it's an interesting period for... I. I think kids watching back movies like this today, like people younger than us, Ben, people in their in their teens, yes, would would look at this and they would see it as an entirely fictional New York, yeah, and they would see the likes of this or maybe, and then other films which also feature a gritty, horrible, gross New York, like maybe Taxi Driver. Oh yeah, Do you remember that? And think these are all similarly fictional versions of New York. But it comes from the fact that, certainly internationally, New York in the 80s and early 70s, and up to the mid-90s, was portrayed as an urban hellscape. Wasn't a great place to be, Michael. The very definition of the modern, terrifying urban jungle. 
the metropolis from down under, Mistopheles Metropolis. You um, weren't getting bloody Spider-Man hopping around in a brightly lit Times Square full of happy, smiley people. That wasn't going to happen, Michael. If you got in the subway, you might not get off again. You might not. You might get attacked by a moon knight. By a moon knight. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly an interesting concept, Michael. Uh, and I guess unless you do a pop culture podcast where you have to research things, these things, you probably wouldn't know if you were much younger that New York used to be kind of a no-go in a lot of different areas. Mm. You'd be like, oh, don't go there. Well, I grew up with New York as a terrifying place, not a not a place of wonder to visit. Oh, yeah. And the film that changed that for me, Benjamin, was Home Alone 2. I was just about to say Home Alone 2, where Macaulay but Culkin was like, oh, everything's fine. If, But that's the thing. Even in Home Alone 2, everything's not fine. There no, are parts mm. of Home Alone 2 where you see glimpses of, like, what the bad side of New York. That's true. But it is the start towards a kind of happy uh, Rockefeller Center, big, huge Christmas tree, ice skating, hot dogs, that New York. Yeah, the one that we all now know and fantasize about, even though it's probably not that good. Uh, I've been to New York a few times, Ben, and New York is pretty nice these days. Do you like it? You fan? Yeah, 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 I like New York. Would you escape from it, given the option? Oh, bloody given half a chance to be on a raft, Ben, there'd be helicopters chasing me, they'd never get me back in. <laughs> that was the two of us, Michael, I thought, at the start of the movie. Yeah. Two of us trying to make it off Manhattan. Yeah, no, we wouldn't make it, Ben. <laughs> wouldn't make it, it wasn't great. That was a very, very quick, that was a great example of uh, show, don't tell. <laughs> Benjamin. Just, yeah. I'm going to say something about this film. All right. I don't like it. Ah, oh, Boo. I don't think this is a very good film. This was your idea. I know. But I I mean, it's the the thing about it is what is catchy? What is super interesting about this film is one, Ben, the concept. Yeah. The concept is fantastic. Yeah. All right. There's Manhattan Island. The whole of Manhattan Island has been turned into a giant supermax prison. And once you go in, you're in, and there's no getting out. Yeah, very impractical judicial system. Very much so. And it's broken down, Ben, into this hellscape of crazy people living underground and criminal gangs and feudal kingdoms. I thought that was one of the most creative naming uh, conventions in the show, Michael, to call the crazy people living underground crazies. I the crazies, yeah, and call yeah. the duke the duke. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like that concept... It's fantastic. And it's very much a sci-fi concept. Yes. But bar one or two things, this is not a sci-fi film. Yes. This is a very basic, quite cheap looking, um, (laughs) not very spectacular action movie. Hour and a half action movie. Hour and a half, nearly a bit more. And... I tell you what, the action's not great, Ben. No, it really isn't. There's a lot of punches thrown at people's faces that never connect. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's not a lot of gunplay. There's not a lot of exciting set pieces. Um, the great dramatic chase at the end. I mean, the guy who's chasing them isn't within two kilometers of them. No. And they manage to blow themselves up by misunderstanding a map. Oh, Michael, we'll get to that final scene in a few minutes. Cause... I'll tell you what, Ben. I find it quite slow and quite boring. And it is very slow. It yeah. is for, for a show about uh, an apocalyptic New York filled with dangers around every corner, he runs into surprisingly few of them. Mm, surprisingly uh, few dangers. Surprisingly few dangers, Michael. Um so one of the things that I think it has going for it is John Carpenter's score because John Carpenter loves making scores for his own films. 
Oh, um, Ben, it's spectacular. There are very much hints of Halloween in there. Oh, there's loads going on there, Michael, and it makes it very, very good. Uh, in the beginning, when we're first kind of fleshing out New York and understanding how it works and, you know, what way it's it's put together, it's it's pretty it's pretty darn good, Michael. Mm. It's, it's pretty darn good. That score does a lot of work. It's a very dark film, Michael. There's not a lot of light. Exceptionally dark, Ben. Exceptionally dark. Not in tone, necessarily, but no, very much in actual lighting. On screen. Because, Ben, you know they filmed this. They didn't film this in New York. They filmed this in St. Louis. Really? Where um, 17 or so blocks had been destroyed in a fire. Oh, yeah. And they hadn't had the money to fix it. Oh, good. And John Carpenter said, let's film there then. That makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it? it? I'm Um, looking for a hellscape, lads. That's why they managed to have such a convincing... Because when I watched this first as a a young childer or as a, a teen, maybe, I thought... This is a very expensive looking urban hellscape. <laughs> but they just found a real... But it doesn't look anything like New York. No. There's not a single New York vibe off this at all, other than the occasional shot of the Twin Towers. I think the poster does a better job because they have a big collapsed uh, Statue of Liberty in the poster a lot of the time. There's exactly. no collapsed Statue of Liberty in that no. movie. It's not happening. That poster, Ben, is responsible on its own for several films. The film Cloverfield is basically... <laughs> What if that poster was a film? What if they'd actually put that scene in a film? Yeah. Let's make uh, yeah. that. Um, uh, look, I, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you, Michael. As a film by itself, doesn't have a lot going for it. Um, no. I nearly gave up on the film from the first time Kurt Russell opens his mouth. Oh, it's absolutely hilarious, Benjamin. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely... Okay, so Kurt Russell plays the character... S. J. Robert Snake Pliskin. Yeah. Yeah. Every time someone calls him Pliskin, I hear Dickskin. I, I, I can only <laughs> apologize. But every time someone says, God damn it, Pliskin, I think, God damn it, Dickskin. But I, I think he thinks he's Clint Eastwood or something because he, he talks like this. Well, uh, Ben. Call me Snake. <laughs> he's 100% playing Clint Eastwood. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He does it badly. He doesn't even do it well. But that's the thing, Benjamin, about early John Carpenter, Kurt Russell um, team-ups. <laughs> they had him, John Carpenter just had Kurt Russell play other more famous <laughs> action stars in a weird kind of parody thing. So Clint e- Snake Plissken is 100% young Kurt Russell yeah. playing Clint Eastwood, playing a hardened war veteran. Yeah, in the same sense that in Big Trouble in Little China, it's him playing John Wayne, playing yeah, Jack Burton. That's true. He's just doing impressions. He's doing impressions of action stars. The thing about it is, though, Snake Plissken is solidified into popular culture. Because of the name more than anything else, I think. Like it's the it's... name, the look, Benjamin, <laughs> the, looks the hair. ridiculous, given an eye patch, patch and five o'clock shadow. <laughs> the five o'clock shadow. The lycra vest, the camouflage trousers, the shin pads, the fact that he's smoking and it looks like Kurt Russell doesn't smoke. I I tell you, I I realised very, very quickly why it's such a dark film, Michael. When the lights came up in that final scene and he's being winched over the wall and you see his trousers, I'm like, ah, costuming. Those trousers are ridiculous. They're lycra leggings. That Snake Plissken is wearing through the streets of New York. Full on in lycra. He's 80s fit. Like he he wouldn't be allowed to take his shirt off on a TV show these days. No, even he if he was playing a schlubby guy. Wide. He swings his 
deserves white. He has deserves out when he walks. Snake Plissken is a fucking seminal character, Ben. <laughs> he influenced cool guy culture for years. The the obvious one that you can't ignore is Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred. That is one hundred percent an impersonation of Kurt Russell doing an impersonation of Clint Eastwood. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. And then putting but, him in a video game and seeing what yeah. happens. I tell you what, Ben, I was watching this and think the whole time I was thinking to myself, Kurt Russell looks young in this. He looks like a kid. He's a little, he's so, and he is young. He was about 28 when it was filmed. Yeah. And I was watching it going, when is that little boy going to stop threatening people? <laughs> Why is he so aggressive? Why is that little boy being so aggressive? Did he not have enough of a nap? Um, yeah, I I mean, it's so funny because they put him up against Lee Van Cleef, you know. Lee the, Van Cleef, Ben. And Lee Van Cleef is having a great time. He is, Le- yeah. Lee Van Cleef is very much enjoying himself. Lee Van Cleef is actually one of the better parts of this entire film. Mm. Um, I genuinely believe he's kind of a dickhead warden um, that keeps people in line. But Very much a stock character, though. Oh, very much. But putting him up against baby Kurt Russell he's <laughs> really, so young really heightens how young Kurt Russell actually is in that film I'm not going in there <laughs> but it's not even I wouldn't mind if it had that gravel to it but it didn't it, it's just a hoarse whisper I'm not going in there like it doesn't even have the uh, <laughs> that you need oh, it's, it's fantastic I was like why is this little boy so angry and he keeps telling don't people don't be to call so angry snake. he's like call me snake <laughs> and you're so just call, like what he says call me Pliskin he does, I think he doesn't like being called it's, Snake no it's at the end he calls him that's one of the weirdest twists in the entire thing so initially how okay. calls him Pliskin all the time and he says call me Snake Snake in the final scene he calls him Snake and he says call me Pliskin and you're like <laughs> why what all has right, happened Pliskin. what transformative event did you go through in that prison run oh. that made you change how you're called Yes, the poor, uh, the poor man. He's so young, Ben. He's so young and, and harmless. And everybody um, knows who he is. Why does why? everyone know who he is? <laughs> why does the, everybody the la- know who he is? So about like a third of the way through, he meets a lady prisoner um, in, in, a, in an abandoned shop. And she's like, you're a snake. Please can take me with, me with you and make sweet love to me. And he's like, okay. And <laughs> she gets killed. And the crazies just get her. <laughs> um, I, I think that's the jump the shark moment for the entire show or for the entire movie. Um, I think that's where the, the sense of suspense that John Carpenter has been building dissipates almost instantly. So she mm. gets dragged underground by the crazies to be eaten, yeah. presumably. Um, and yeah, from there on, it becomes a very different film. Where all the threats are very easily identified and, you know, I think the Duke is the greatest, possibly the greatest insertion of Isaac Hayes into anything I've ever seen. But also... I I was surprised he didn't tell them to suck on his chocolate salty balls. He was very close to it, I think. Mm. But it also completely spoils the film from that point on. From the second the score changes into weird disco music... As the Duke drives up in his chandelier-clad cattle. Chandelier-clad car. Benjamin, there are lots of Mad Maxi feelings to this. Yeah, but they're poor Mad Maxi feelings, Michael. The first Mad Max isn't much better, Ben. Let's no, be that's honest. That's true. That's true. We'll probably do an exhumed on it at some point. Probably. Um, what did you think of the? What did you think of the Duke? 
That's an antagonist. I uh, I could take her or leave him, to be honest. I, I didn't find him very threatening. He's not threatening at all, Michael. He's just... No. <laughs> he's and then he, he gets killed um, by the wrong person, I felt. Yeah, it, it's weird. Do you know what, do you know what caught me off? Because the, the, the president... Yes, one um, Donald Pleasance. He's such a weird character throughout the entire film, Michael. But he, I liked he, his little presidential egg. He's st- yeah, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> I wanted to go in the presidential egg. <laughs> they sure saved some budget by doing a quick cut to the screen and watching a little red blip go. Oh well, Ben, let me tell you about that. I'll tell you all about that in a minute. I'll tell you all about that in a minute. Okay. No, I was just going to say there's a weird moment where he stops the cinch from bringing Snake Plissken up just so he can shoot Isaac. Yeah, he's like, I want to get that guy who was shooting at me earlier. It's like, why did you stop the cinch? You could have shot him. It would have been fine. Mm. do you mean winch winch I do yeah, yeah. sorry yeah, I'm talking yeah, about so a cinch so. which is a thing for your waistline yeah 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 which Kurt Russell may have also been wearing he may, have, he may have had one on he may have had one on oh, under know. his lycra under his second lycra <laughs> Benjamin yeah. I, I, I'm going to be uh, Snake Plissken for Halloween this year I think I've that's an excellent it. choice yes uh, so easy I think Shane should be Peacemaker so we'll make you yeah yeah that's what we're going to do we're just going to be slightly nationalistic <laughs> paranoid lunatics <laughs> <laughs> who may or may not have been in the special forces at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, at some point. The youngest ever recipient <laughs> oh, of the Purple I love Star. It. Benjamin. Yes. Harry Dean Stanton is in it. Harry Dean Stanton is in it, and bizarre, because it's Harry Dean Stanton as I've never seen him before. It's Harry Dean Stanton with a pulse. Yeah, um, he's very much young. He's young, and he has some energy, and he mm. makes a real effort. Yes. And his girlfriend is definitely a character and not just a pair of boobs. Uh, no, definitely not. Not just boobs. <laughs> I think that's her character name. Yeah, but uh, Maggie Boobs O'Hara, um, yeah. and it was uh, oh, she's a pretty bad character. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. She's just <laughs> running around the local top. That was her job. The cabbie was just like, ah, oh, yeah. The Duke gave her the brain to keep him happy. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> that's a bit misogynistic. The Duke. Hang on, the Duke. Um, I tell you what was very in poor taste was the flamboyantly evil gay henchman with the spiky hair who laughed like is he a hyena. Gay? Uh, he has it. It's it's the end. It's the last time we see him on screen where he says, "Now you listen here, brain. You're not supposed to be here." His gestures and mannerisms in those final in that final scene are incredibly over the top. I thought he was one of the best parts when really when he walks when he wa- Romeo is that character's name is when it? he walks up when he walks up to um to the special forces the police state actually they're yeah. not special forces when he walks up to the police state at the beginning and shows them the president's finger and says if you touch me he's dead if you're not gone in 30 seconds he's dead and then starts counting down great that was pretty good. I'll give you that. That was fantastic. And he has a very unique look to him, which uh, I think has also permeated into pop culture. Anytime you want a kind of crazy henchman, the entire a 50-50 ca- chance he's going to come out looking like that. The entire cast of Steven Spielberg's Hook and yes, the, the Lost, Lost Boys, Boys. Yeah, are, yeah, yeah. are based heavily on Romeo from John yeah, Carpenter's Escape from New York. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think he's definitely probably been a, a fairly influential thing. Also, possibly Sting from Dune. I, like, there's a lot Dune. of that going on. I think it's on. called Dune. I think you'll find it's called um, Spice Dow. Uh, yeah, intellectual property. Um, mm. I think you'll find. Uh, one of the things I found really interesting about this film, Michael, is so little dialogue. Yeah, because there's so little plot. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably true. There's a lot of running around back and forth the same place yeah. gone. Oh, who's got him now? Bring him back here. Who's got the tape? I have it. Oh, good. Oh, where are we going next? It's like, and then the actual escape is pretty uneventful. Yeah. Like the, map, the map they have doesn't work. At all. At all. To the point where there seem to be only like maybe 10, 12 mines on that bridge. Certainly a, a concerted effort from the prisoners would get them through that. Not a bother. Not a flipping bother to them. And also the guy who's chasing them is kilometres behind them. Yeah, he shouldn't have been able to catch up. There's no hope. The, no. By the time their car blows up and they have a chat and they walk a bit, he's he's at least probably three or four kilometres behind them. He's also been in a car crash of his own taking out Maggie. Um, th- that final scene, Michael, is bizarre. So many unearned character deaths in, in a very row. Very strange. Yeah, very, very um, strange. All to drive... Snake Pliskin's final sorry Snake Pliskin's um, final action um, and I, I just found it so weird so we lose Cabby yeah uh, which I suppose is kind of poetic in the sense that the cab went down so Cabby went down with his cab yeah makes sense alright there's a little bit going on there then the brain dies for no reason <laughs> in the most unceremonious way you've ever seen in a movie that was shite um, and then all we get is is uh, boobs. I mean Maggie, yeah. Um, who's like brain, brain? You gotta get up, brain. And then Snake's like, he's dead, Maggie. He's, he, Maggie, he's dead. Maggie, get away from there. He's dead. It's Christian Bale. We've turned him into Christian Bale. <laughs> oh, um, get away from there, Maggie. He's dead. <laughs> oh, come on, Maggie, get out of here. Get oh, out of here, Maggie. He's, he's brown bread, Maggie. He's brown bread, Mags. <laughs> Oh, we should just call this podcast a day. We really have run the gamut. But um, yeah, then Maggie dies. And it's funny, Maggie's death is so much more horrific compared to the Ah, other two. Ah, yeah, horrible. Horrible and violent and bloody Um, and misogynistic. Horrible and violent and and lingered just a little bit long on by one John Carpenter. Yes, Johnny C. That is your real name. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that was interesting. And then that drives us to the final thing where it's like, oh yeah, the president was a dickhead all along. Yeah, I knew he was because it was Donald Pleasance. Benjamin. Yeah. Did you know, one of my favourite little bits of trivia about this, and this is not something I looked up for this podcast, it's just just a bit of film trivia that I've always loved. This movie was made really before, when when people understood what computer graphics were. Yes. And what they were going to look like. Indeed. But they were still phenomenally expensive. Okay. So do you remember all of the aerial tracking shots of New York? Yes. With the wireframe. Um, do you know how they did that? It's fantastic. No, I don't. They couldn't computer animate it. It was okay. too expensive. So what they did was they took their large-scale model of New York, okay, painted it completely black, yes, and stuck reflective tape on the edge of every building. Very into and that. And then lit it with refl- with UV light, and the reflective tape reflected back and looked like computer graphics. Genius. Absolutely amazing. Genius. So obvious when you know it. But yeah. you would never notice unless I did not pick up on you. that. I thought it, it was... is incredible. <laughs> Look back on it. It's one of the most incredible uses of what what these days would be such a cheap and easy thing to do. Ten minutes. And they oh, ten minutes easy. Yeah. Especially like the resolution that it's at. Yeah. But back then, to achieve the effect of doing something so cheap looking, they spent hundreds of hours on it, and it's amazing. Because I, I did actually find myself with that question because I knew that John Carpenter was avoiding filming New York from a skyline during the day because they probably didn't have the budget for that, like an aerial. Yeah, 
or the access to New York, I believe. or the access to New York, I'd imagine, full of people, which would have been weird. Mm. Um, but also, I was like, but why would you replace it with something that was definitely more expensive at the time? CGI. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. Mm. He didn't. He, didn't. he got some sticky tape, tape and some boxes. <laughs> sticky tape and boxes. Benjamin. Yeah. One thing about it is New York's not really a character in it at all, and it should be. Yeah. That's one of the great tragedies of, of it. I think this is ripe, Ben. This could be remade and could be remade as a much better film. With Kurt Russell as Hauk. Yeah, why not? Yeah, stick him in and there. And w- one of the Hemsworths as... as um, oh, yeah! A snake... <laughs> oh, fucking fair play, mate. <laughs> oh, fair dick of smashed it, mate. <laughs> um, that'd be great. I would watch the crap out of that. Yeah, that'd be good. Oh, let's let's pitch that at some point, Michael. Let's pitch Alrighty a bloody then. Escape from New York reboot. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Benjamin. Yeah. Escape from LA is worse. I have never seen Escape from LA. Oh, it's no good. Will we, will know, we watch we'll that after? That okay, we'll we're watching Escape from LA day. for next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. No, not next <laughs> week. Not next week, please. No. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of the film Escape from New York? Seminal uh, urban hellscape film or just a bit naff from John Carpenter? Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, what what I think is sorry. Here's yeah, my go summary. On. Go on. Incredible concept. Yeah. And visually striking lead character. Very good. Amazing soundtrack. Yeah. But not a great film. Not a great film. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, not a great film. I'm gonna have to side with you on that one, Michael. It was more enjoyable than I thought it was gonna be. Oh, good. But still very slow. It's just a mm. slow film. And I think it builds all this wonderful tension. And I think from the second, the crazy... Oh, I forgot my joke about you. Oh, no. Um, yeah, you should cosplay as the manhole clanger who gets the crazies out of underground. Oh, that seems mean. In a, in a big pile of thing. Or, or... Yeah. Snake Plissken. Or, no. Uh, or as the big wrestler guy in the ring with the big old Oh, the uh, big hairy mustache. guy. Yeah, he'd be good. He'd be good as that. Oh, thanks, Pam. Yeah. Because um, he's big and strong and scary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm back on board. Yeah, I'm yeah, back, back on, on board. board. Ladies and gentlemen, who would you like to see Mick play from Escape from New York? Uh, you can get in touch and just give your opinions on the film and your opinions on pop culture in general mm. uh, in the following places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeog.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means a small room in Irish. It does indeed. You can find us on the Instagram at your look, your listen podcast. Yeah, she looks, she listen in English, you know what that means. You know what that means, that's not too tough. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ListenSure. But ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Come here to me. Go on. All of those are static, one-way systems of communication. Are we listening yeah. to you? Are we talking to you? Will we ever reply to you on those? Probably not, I don't pay much attention to them. But you know where we do reply a lot and where you can where? get witty banter all of the time? Yeah. Up on yeah, our the, witty banter, the witty banter, Ben, mostly comes from other people. It mostly does, yeah. So, I mean, if you didn't get enough here, which you probably didn't, let's be honest with each other, uh, you can always go up onto the uh, Discord. Get up on that Discord, baby. Up, up on it. Yeah, and uh, get in touch with us and let us know what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, you can join us in a week's time where we'll be taking a look at side hustles, uh, the sidekicks that really ruined their heroes uh, or their villains. I'll, I'll, I'll accept both. Um, okay. And if you haven't had enough of us this week, ladies and gentlemen, you can tune in to our other podcast, Collecting Issues, the bi-weekly comic book book club, where we'll be taking a look at bloody Astonishing X-Men, Volume 1 by Joss Whedon Ugh. and John Ugh. Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not that much against Whedon. Uh, well, uh, we'll find out on bloody Tuesday, won't we? We'll find out on Tuesday, Ben. I think he just seems like a prick. I don't think he's done anything particularly better than being a prick. I think he's just a tremendous prick, Michael. Um, yeah, I think... No, he's I mean, a smug well, prick a... as well, though. It makes it so much worse. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at least he can just... He's just a prick. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it on Tuesday. Yeah, all right. Talk to you then. Bye. All right. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week. I'm going to escape from New York. Snake Bliskin. Snake Bliskin. Ah. Oh, please don't come and get me, Snake. <laughs>